Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 14, my interview with Jed Jones. Jed is a pianist, vocalist, composer, and music producer on staff at one of Utah's premier recording studios, June Audio. In this episode, Jed and I talk about the breakdown between making art and promoting art, and Jed talks about why he hates promotion. We brainstorm strategies of how to deal with the subjectivity of art and talk about whether there's a solution to the promotion problem. In a business where your work won't speak for itself, you have to speak for it. Okay, enjoy. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary. And sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Blue Chic. Blue Sheet creates WordPress website themes and design templates that have helped tens of thousands of entrepreneurs build a beautiful online presence. For those of us who are professional creatives, it's so important to have a website that looks and feels as artful as the art you make. But we all know it's easier said than done. When I found Blue Chic a few years ago, I was blown away by their gorgeous themes and purchased mine without hesitation. I had absolutely no web design experience or skills, but Blue Chic's amazing documentation empowered me to build a site I can really be proud of. Head to www.bluchic.com to see which theme works best for you and use promo code BCARTIFICE for 10% off your purchase today. I hear them saying at the beginning of the podcast, like, Can I get you anything? Do you have something to drink? Like, we got, we got these things, and we got these things. I got a coaster. I don't know this is what. I know, it's so exciting. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. And also, lots of them have pictures, and they set up their podcasts just like this. Huh? So everyone's comfy. Well, I think it looks great. Thanks. You don't have to hold a <laughs> Oh, thanks. Oh, my gosh, Thanks. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking this is the first time that, Hello. well, this is one of the first times that we've been doing like a work thing where we're not in your space, but this I guess is it did true. happen one other time. Um, look how comfy I am. You're so comfy. It's crazy <laughs> talk. You can be comfy too. I'm very comfy as well. Great. Thank you. Uh, I put lots of blankets down here because I was like, it's possible my basement's freezing. Mm. Yeah. It's all good. I kind of like it though. I-, I feel like I'm always hot and Andrew's always hot. Basements should be cool. I think. You know, in Arizona, the hottest place, no one has basements. Mm. Um, Wait, why don't they have basements in Arizona? I don't know. I don't know. My my assumption is maybe that there's just so much land that people don't feel the need to build down. It's also much less common for people to have like a second story because it gets too hot. But then I think like... Most homes in Arizona are one story. Yeah, lots of ramblers. Really? Yeah. Because, like, I'm from Texas where you can't have a basement because the water table's too high. Right. Um, so, it's like, leads to foundation in issues. Arizona. Yeah, but, but people, everyone, I mean, not everyone, but the most houses are two stories. You know? Well, Utah is, like, such a basement place, though. Oh, but yeah. But I remember just thinking, like, when I, when I moved here and everyone had basements and the basement was always cold, even in the summer when it's hot, I just thought, like, 
don't people in Arizona have basements? It's such a good idea. <laughs> it's always cold in the basement. It's naturally cooler. It is naturally cooler. So in this podcast, we are talking about art and business. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hope that most of the time art comes before business. Mm. So let's talk about art first. All right, let's do it. So I would love to know about your earliest inclinations of creativity in your life. My earliest inclinations of creativity. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be the type of creativity you ended up doing professionally, but just, you know, what, what were you like as a creative child? Um, let's think. As a child, I was into... Well, my parents... Didn't believe in video games. I mean, they didn't believe that they didn't exist. They just be <laughs> they believed that that in our home we will not have a video gaming console. My parents were the same. And because of that, I have an insatiable desire to always play video games as an adult, which I actually have a lot of. I don't really play that many video games, but as a result, as a kid, I was just outside all the time. Mm. So I think I mean a lot of my creativity was like weird, like. Building forts and digging, uh, yeah, sure, digging holes, <laughs> climbing tree, a lot of climbing trees, I do a lot of tree climbing too, setting up a hammock like twelve feet in the sky for some reason. Um, that kind of thing was very prevalent. Cool. And then um, when I was a kid, I always thought I was going to be an inventor. Oh yeah, yeah, D <laughs> an inventor or a scientist. I really always said that oh, I'm going to be a scientist when I grow up. An inventor, of course. Adorable. Yeah. And I, it came a lot. My <laughs> oldest brother was, uh, had a very engineering mind. He, he later, he's, he, he's he an engineer. <laughs> yes. He studied manufacturing at BYU, went on to get a PhD in 3D printing. And Whoa, he, I didn't know that you could have a degree in 3D printing. He has a PhD in, in um, I don't know what aspect, but some aspects of 3D printing. Wow. And now he has his own business, uh, Wh doing. Wherein he 3D prints. Yeah, well, it's kind of a combination of retrofitting older machines to have both um, subtractive and additive qualities. Oh. So, anyways, it's interesting. it's interesting. But as a kid, I really looked up to my oldest brother, Jason. He was really cool. And he already had that mind. So I was like, when I'm older, I'm going to be an inventor. So I had I have books as a kid with just all the dumbest drawings you've ever seen. Your uh, drawings? My drawings yeah. of inventions that I would later create. Like what kinds of stuff? Oh, just like simple things that aren't realistic at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I couldn't really tell you anything off the mm. top of my head, but a lot of million dollar ideas in that book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it stuff that was like really like imaginative, like stuff that would defy the laws of physics and things like that? Or like... Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, then there was also flying. like some, some like really silly things, you yeah. know? Um, when I was a kid, we had to do this like invention project in like the fourth grade. And I, I, I made the stupidest thing. It was like a little cabinet that you put like on top of your nightstand. And there's just like a little space for like, <laughs> I made like a, Ooh. I made like a, I, I put like a toilet paper roll in it. So you could like blow your nose because we were like too poor for tissue. Mm. Like we didn't buy Kleenex. Yeah. So I was like, you sometimes have to blow your nose in the night. Now you got to roll a toilet paper. Boom. On your nightstand. Oh man. Do you have one in this home? Did you? No. I've had tissues now. Look, oh, there's a box of tissues wow. here. Wow. I know. I really value them though. In case we get emotional. 
Yeah, Thank or in you. case it's freezing and your nose starts running. Oh, that too. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that so that's nice that your imagined brain was like imaginative and not, you know, like mine that was just like I don't know maybe I'll need tissue in the night. <laughs> hey, you can never be too prepared. I haven't changed at all. Hey, I'm the but, same person still. But you never have a runny nose. That's something I can always say about you, Emily. No runny do. noses. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or I have tissue in like every room mm. of every place that I'm in. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So, okay. So you started out always thinking you want to be an inventor, yes. being creative. And then what happened? I grew up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, you know, just keep going through life. And uh, at some point... Well, I know what point at the age of eight, um, you are uh, highly encouraged. I wouldn't say like required, but it sort of seemed like it to take piano lessons in the Jones home. Mm. So all eight children from the ages of eight to 12 took piano lessons. We had the same rule in my house. It's, it's a Mormon thing. It's a Mormon thing. <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting too, because neither one of my parents play the piano at yeah. all. I mean, they, they have nice singing voices and they're quite musical, but it's just kind of weird. Like what it would be like me choosing something random, like fencing kids, fencing. You heard me. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I think it's like a, culturally, it's like a skill that we feel like all people should have, which is, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's cool. So I took piano lessons from eight to I think I made it to like 14. 13 or 14. Yeah, something like that. I think 14. My mom tells me I quit the day I was 12. But I remember that some of my older siblings did that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I made it a little further. Yeah, she's yeah. maybe confusing you with someone else. Yeah, I mean, there's eight children. So You're like, mom, listen, which one of your kids yeah. is a professional musician Ooh. now? Well, there actually have been three of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I so, didn't know that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so my, uh, two of my sisters, my sister Shelly, she is a harpist. Sweet. And she worked um, here in Salt Lake for the Salt Lake City um, Symphony. Cool. And Andrew's dad plays in that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. I wonder if they know each other. Yeah, she worked more on the administrative side, but she would sub in as a harpist. Cool. And then she subbed in also other places. So I think she's played with um, Houston and I want to say somewhere else too. So Great. Yeah, Shelly's really, really talented harpist and piano player and nice voice. Um, and then my sister, Autumn. She is uh, more on the performing end, singer, dancer. She uh, was in New York for a few years, and she worked at a bunch of shows here locally and then did cruise ships for a while. Awesome. So she, I mean, I think she did maybe two full years on a cruise ship. She's been all over the place singing, performing around the world. That's great. Yeah, it's really cool. So when you started piano at back, age eight. Back to youth, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, how did you feel about it? Were you like, oh my gosh, piano... It wasn't great. I didn't love it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, piano lessons are lame. And, you know, you're just, they're just never that fun. I went through a lot of teachers. Shelly mm -hmm. was one of my teachers. My sister was one of my teachers at one point. Didn't go so yeah, great. Yeah, that's probably rough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, eventually I quit. I, I also am not really that into performing classical music. Listening okay. to classical music, I don't do often, but it's like, it's nice. It's beautiful. But the thought of just playing that type of music was not interesting to me. Yeah. So when I was in high school at some point, my sister Shelly said, you know what you should do? You should get these piano books and you should just learn the music that you like. And I'm like, you're right. So, of course, like every good piano player, 
I got an Elton John book. Yeah. A Billy Joel book. That's great. A Queen book. And, of course, some Coldplay. And, uh, of course. Yeah, I mean, naturally. Uh, and that's when I really decided that playing piano was great. And I played music for once that I liked. And from that kind of stemmed into improv and writing simple, you know, kind of compositions and songs. Yeah. Okay. So how old were you when you got, when you got the Elton John books? I was probably like 15 maybe. Okay. Okay. So you started playing music you liked and then, yeah. Did someone like teach you about improv or were you just were fiddling around? I mean, I was fiddling around. I never had like improv lessons. I think it was more a product of like, I can't really play what it says. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's how I learned to improvise, too. Yeah. You're like, well, if I can't really play it, I'll just play something like this. Yep. And it's relatable. It's a it's a good thing and a bad thing, because now that's really all I can do. Like, <laughs> like in church, they're like, hey, would you mind playing this hymn? And I'm horrible playing hymns. Yeah, I I'm like, well, can't. but it's a C chord. And then you just like, you know. Figure something out. Yeah, you just like go for it. And they're like, that's not really how the hymn Normally sounds, but you know it's not but bad. Fine, yeah. yeah. Just arpeggiate the the one chord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have that experience too. Like someone in my neighborhood will come to you know one of my students' recitals or something. I teach some children in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll be like, "Oh my gosh, you're such a great pianist! Can you play at church?" And I'm always like, "I don't think that's what you want." Uh, yeah. You don't understand that this thing I'm doing is a different thing. Yeah, you don't. Do you want sevenths in all of your hymns? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I arranged something in college for like a like a church Christmas thing, and I think there was like a sus chord, and um, they were like, "This is you're gonna have to tone it down." What? <laughs> that really happened. Wow. Yeah, I know. It was. I was like, "This isn't. You don't know." But this is nothing. I was like, if I really felt though, like if you didn't know that I was in the middle of getting a degree in jazz studies, you would never have said any of this to you me. You wouldn't have questioned my authority. Yeah. Or you wouldn't have thought this sounds like a jazz thing. Mm. Cause it, it's a sus chord, you know, it's really not. If you were studying gospel, they'd be like, it's fine. It's cool. Yeah. If I was a classical major, <laughs> ah, it's fine though. Whatever. You're, I still did the piece. Clearly, I was like, fine, I'll change it. And then I didn't. You're clearly it. over it. Yeah. yeah you don't totally have, over it. You don't have feelings it's about it It's only been like nine years <laughs> still talking about it. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, okay. So, so you started, you started like just trying to solve your own problems. You you want to be able to play, you want to be able to play in time. Sure. And so you're like, oh, I got to simplify some of these things. And maybe I'm guessing sometimes, occasionally you make something more interesting too. That's a bold claim, but... Um, I think it's probably true. Uh, I guess it's theoretically true, possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's true. Yeah. Yeah, so then eventually I just started writing my own little songs, and I don't know, you know, I think you have a... What you see yourself as is always interesting. It has nothing to do with what you really are. But along with playing the piano all along, I was always in a choir or taking voice lessons. These kind of things are very important in my home. And I'm I'm very happy and glad about it. So I I really s- eventually saw myself more as a singer than a piano player. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so playing the piano was more to accompany my voice. Again, what you see yourself as and what you really are is who knows, right? <laughs> but I still kind of think, well, you know, 
not an amazing keys player, but I can get by. But, you know, it's more to support the vocal. Yeah. So in high school, and that's when I started writing little songs, you know. That's great. Songs of love. Of course. Heartache. That's what teenagers write about. I mean, that's what everyone writes about. That's true. But, uh, yeah, I wrote my first songs in high school. And uh, I'm happy that there's no recordings or or, (laughs) any shred of evidence that they existed. I think they're long gone, which is fine by me. And, uh, yeah, I think you have to write a thousand bad songs before you get a decent one. I've heard that said. I don't know. Um, what did you, like, what were you, what, how were you thinking about your writing process or, or maybe my question is more like, why were you doing it? Like, did you have like a goal or were you kind of just experimenting? There was, seemed to be no goal at that point. You were just, you're just trying stuff out. Yeah. Just trying things out. You know, I come up with a lyric that you kind of like and, you know, I think that'd be cool and, my little brother and I, we were we did a lot of singing and stuff, and we, you know, then you start to think, hey, you know, we should we should, have a we band. should do some things together. Yeah. yeah, we can write a song just as good as any of these on the radio, <laughs> you know. And then you try and write one, and it's actually difficult. There's more to it. There's much did more you, to it. Did you did you collaborate with like other people? No. Just just a just a duo of brothers. I've I've never really been very good at collaborations. Yeah, um, I have that problem as well. Especially in the songwriting aspect. It's more like, I wrote this, and I like where it is, and then people try and you're like, no. And I think vice versa, they have a song that's mostly written, and you're kind of like, it's not really the way I do it, but it's already written, so it's kind of your song. Go for it. There, I mean, sometimes I've co-written songs, and more recently, yeah. the last couple of years for sure. But back at that point, I would write most of the things, and then... Um, my brother Jordan would help me with lyrics. Cool. So, you know, I'd be like, hey, you know, give me, I need a line. Like, you write the first verse, you know, and yeah. you need something similar for the second. You're like, hey, help me with some lines. And he'll come up with a few ideas. And then, you know, you kind of yeah. mess around with them. And then you're like, yeah, cool, cool. So, yeah. yeah, I'd say I wrote the music and we co wrote lyrics. So maybe this question is different for you because by this point, you you already had at least one older sibling that was kind of already pursuing music professionally. But yeah. my but my question is like, you know, when or how did you start kind of having this thought like maybe this is something that I'll do for my job? Mm. Um, probably like freshman year of college more. Okay. Yeah. I, so I came to BYU, um, because uh, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. Yeah. And I did not think I would study music. Okay. Yeah, music. I mean, my sister did harp, and that's like a classy music. Um, Autumn was doing performing, dancing, and that seemed more appropriate than just like starting a band or right. being an artist. Those I seemed know. like like far fetched dreams. So just kind of like, mm, you know, you should probably just do something normal and keep music as a hobby. And you know, that was definitely a thought that I probably didn't have myself. You know, yeah. it came from other sources, but it was the thought I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So my freshman year, I just, you know, took some classes. I um, did a lot of music classes uh, along with my generals. So some songwriting classes, some recording classes, and then um, was in a few musicals, that kind of thing. Okay. And then at some point it was like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I like music. I should just like try it, you know? So I auditioned for the music dance theater major. 
because that's what my sister was in. Yeah. And I was like, sure, let's try it out. It's kind of fun. So I auditioned and I got in and then I left on my mission. You got into the MDT program? I don't know that I knew that. Yeah, I was. I was that's a hard program to get into. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean, you only have to be good at two out of the three. And I am a horrible dancer. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> so they're like, what? MDT? You, what about the D? And, and, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, music and theater. Okay. Dance? No, definitely not. Yeah, anyway. So I was MDT um, for two years, technically, while I was on my mission. And I came back from my mission and I was like, I'm not doing that. That's not for me. Yeah. Well, why did you like, tell me more? I, I just, I really auditioned sort of on a whim. Cause yeah. I was like, you should just audition. Sure. I'm like, you're right. And I auditioned and got in and then I was like, Oh, cool. Well, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. And then when I came back and really thought about it, I was like, yeah, no, that's not for me. Sure. Because I prefer pop music Yeah. over, um, musicals and that kind of thing. Okay, now you told me once before that you were working with a producer in in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Was that before? That was after my mission. Okay. Yeah, so I came out from my mission, and I was taking voice lessons from a really good voice teacher in Dallas, and he hooked me up. Well, I mean, um, I was introduced to this producer through him. Okay. A producer named John John Robinson, who uh, had had some really big credits, like uh, years previous with groups like TLC and, you know been around the block a little bit in the LA scene. Cool. And then I don't know why he moved to Dallas. I mean, I can only surmise that things weren't going that great and mm. he needed a change of scene. Yeah. Y you know what I mean? He was, you said he was in LA. He was originally in LA. Okay. Yeah. And then recently moved to Dallas cause he's like, let's go try it out. Look for some talent out there. And, um, met up with him and he heard me singing and he was like, I think I can do something with this, you know, or, at, or maybe he was looking to make a few bucks. You never really know. Right. It's, this business is, you know, yeah, it's it, interesting. It has stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe that he was trying to really, really do something. Yeah. So I originally did, I think three songs with him. Okay. And then we went back for around two of like a couple more songs. So maybe like seven or eight songs that I had, I wrote, I wrote totally. And then, um, he, you know, produced any of these little pop tunes. So you wrote these songs after your mission. And uh, what, like, genre or what, you know, what what was it like? Oh, uh, definitely, like, pop rock. Like, okay, nothing mind-boggling. Elton but John, <laughs> no, Billy Joel. No, no, no Elton John, no <laughs> Billy Joel. Uh, yeah, like, some, like, like, uh... It's hard to describe. I don't know, like... Genre is the most hard thing. Right, but, like... Some of them like upbeat, like piano pop songs. Okay. They sound pretty lame now that I say it. <laughs> but, yeah. but like they're like catchy little numbers, you know? Sure. Um, the lyrics were uh, not like the deepest lyrics in the world, um, but they rhymed and they were kind of catchy. And I can think of a few songs in my mind right now. That, and I smile when I hear them. You know, you're yeah. like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, but during that process... Um, I really, really enjoy the production aspect. Okay. And so that was kind of, was that like the first time that you realized that that was like an aspect of music? Yeah. I mean, I'd recorded previously, but it was always like pretty, pretty lame recording. Not okay. like, Hey, why don't we double the vocal here? You're like, yeah. what? what? Excuse me? Double the vocal. And like, what about on this chord? We have like four parts for just kicks and you're like whoa what you can do that you know yeah that kind of thing and drum programming all the drums were were programmed he's you know 
comes from a little bit more of a hip hop background. So, sure. you know, the thought of hiring a drummer to play on a song is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the production was really fun. And then he obviously wanted to market me as an artist. And so for, I don't know, a year, year and a half or two years in there, I was playing some shows locally and um, working on writing and did a music video or two that were so horrible, but they were something. And they, and then he marketed me to some of his contacts in LA. Okay, great. So I would cruise down to LA occasionally and um, meet with some label people. That's and awesome. And you it, were like 22? Yeah, 22, 23. Cool. Yeah, and I was uh, quite surprised with this connection. It's like you walk into places and they'd be like, John John, long time no see. Yeah. And I'd be like, dang, awesome. nice, you know? Or uh, I'll never forget, we took a meeting at um, with some label person, I don't know, at the Four Seasons. And uh, of course, that was just the place he chose to me. He wasn't yeah. staying at the Four Seasons. He probably couldn't afford the Four Seasons. But at the time, you're at the Four Seasons yeah. in, uh, I don't know, Hollywood or LA. I can't remember where it yeah. is. And I remember we parked our car like in the far back corner, you know, because yeah. we wanted to hide our shameful car. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like walk in with my acoustic guitar yeah, and walk past like, you know, a couple Lamborghinis and a Bentley or something. Oh, wow. And sat down to this little meeting with this guy and it was... Interesting. So, sorry, all that to say is eventually um, we thought we had a, a small label okay. interested in signing me. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was cool. And what we, happened? Well, we took a meeting and it was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And we're like, wow, crazy. No, I mean, no papers were ever like signed. Yeah. I remember we went out to dinner. My dad actually came for the meeting because it was like seemed like a thing. Yeah. So then we went out to dinner that night, kind of like a celebratory dinner. Like, yeah. what? That's crazy. This thing's happening. Nothing ever happened, of course. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so depressing. I mean, you know, it's fine. Nothing ever happened. And through that whole experience, I really discovered that I don't care for being the artist. Yeah. I mean, I like playing and performing, but the promotional aspect of, of the business, I really am not good at and I don't care for. Yeah. I want to talk about this more. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Now... Do you like being like the artist besides that stuff, besides marketing? Oh, yeah, sure. What do you think that means? Like like where where do you draw that line of like this is art and this is promoting art? I mean, if I could literally just go from the studio if I could write a song, record a song at the studio. Make it pretty, make it as best as I possibly can, and then not touch it, and then walk it onto a stage with a thousand people there and play the song. That would be amazing. Yeah. Without any work in between, that would be stellar. That would be ideal for me. Don't you think there are like there are people who do that? There are some people that do that, yeah. and they're very lucky. They're very talented. They have the right connections, yeah. and they are signed to a major label. Yeah. Which is just, you know, it's just very difficult to make happen and not a lot of people get that opportunity. Yeah. And which, I mean, it's fine. I'm not, you know, so you're just like, well, it's not really in the cards right now or ever. So yeah, here we go. Yeah. I, I like that idea. I, I feel similarly, you know, you, you have the things that you kind of think about that you're like, this would be really great. In the meantime, I'm going to work on stuff that I feel like I can kind of make happen. Um, 
but yeah, so do you feel like, you know, if you had that kind of an opportunity, like you, you would take it? I think I would. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, I, I really don't know. At the time, I definitely would have. Yeah. You know, now I, I don't know that I would enjoy it as much, but it's hard to say. From that experience, you know, I, I realized I didn't love the promotion, but I also realized that I really love production. Yeah. Not that I'm so good at it or anything, but I... I You're I, good at it. Well, well, thank you. But I'm just saying, like, from that experience, I was like, that is really fun. Yeah. And to hear your song go from crappy acoustic guitar and your voice yeah, alone in your bedroom to a fully produced track with drums and bass and guitar and synthesizers and vocals and all these things, I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. And it's so fun. Um, so I really enjoy, I enjoy that so much that, yeah, I don't know, maybe a mix of that and performing could be cool. Who knows? Yeah, well, I feel like nowadays you know, being like the artist, it's so many things. Like I was watching the SNL last night with Miley Cyrus and Mark Ronson and like, you know, Mark Ronson's a producer, but he's also just like casually playing on SNL. Yeah. But I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just like ignorant about this, but I don't, I don't get the idea that he's doing a lot of promotion. Um, yeah, I don't know what's, Mark Ronson doesn't need to do promotion at this point. Right. <laughs> um, and his discography speaks for itself. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I mean, the thing about Mark Ronson is, at this point, he releases a song with Miley Cyrus. Right. And literally, I actually had this conversation with my girlfriend, uh, Shalane, you know. Uh, Shalane. <laughs> yeah, Shalane. I was like, oh, there's this new Mark Ronson track. It's so cool. And she said... Well, who's Mark Ronson? And I'm like, you know, and I was like, oh, well, you know, Mark Ronson, he produced some tracks maybe you've heard of Uptown Funk. And she's like, you mean that Bruno Mars track, right? And you're like, well, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's not a Bruno Mars track. It's actually a Mark Ronson track. Bruno Mars is singing on it. She's like, meh, 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 don't be all music-y, you know what I mean? <laughs> don't, don't be a music snob producer mm-hmm. person. And I was like, I'm just saying. So the same thing with this new song, right? Yeah. People see Mark Ronson like, ah, that name sounds vaguely familiar. But Miley Cyrus, right. now that's a name I know. Right. So I think my question is like, does Mark Ronson have the perfect thing? In your opinion? Yeah, Mark Ronson's got a great thing he's, going. He's doing, is he doing like, does he have the right balance in your opinion? Oh, of yeah. Of stuff. Oh, if you're saying, would I like Mark Ronson's career? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that would be stellar. Yeah. There's an, well, there's a number of producers in that category that I think... Yeah, I think like have David, a, David Guetta is like that too. Yeah, well, the electronic scene's a whole different ballgame. Because, yeah, it's like, you know, you produce the songs and then you just go push play on your iPod and dance to thousands of people. You know, it's nice. Um, but uh, some of the more, the less electronic ones, like... Uh, I mean, there's a bunch that are both players and big-time producers. Like Ryan Tedder, for example. Sure. One Republic, right? He produces so many of the pop tunes coming out or co-writes on them, blah, blah, blah. But then also, you know, he says, hey, let's go, band. Let's go tour and do this and do yeah. that. And yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so maybe I wonder if like that part of it is something that you miss. Like obviously you do perform, but it's it's a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so do you do you do you like miss at all performing? your original stuff 
Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I never did, like, so much of it, you know? And I never played big shows. You can probably miss something that you've never done, right? I mean, (laughs) is it missing? Like, do you feel it missing? I mean, I can only imagine the feeling of playing your own song to a huge crowd and having them sing the lyrics back to you. Yeah. Like, yeah, that sounds amazing to me. But also you're like, only like 10 people in the world get that feeling very often. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. I think, I think there are lots of people who have like a really, really loyal fan base. Sure. That's pretty small, but like they know everything. Sure. You know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I would rather be in a room with, with like 10 fans who like really care than like, well, yeah, no, I think it's true. Then like 10,000 fans that are there because like. It was the thing to do on a Friday night. Yeah. Sure. But as a musician, would you rather play to 10 fans or, or 10,000? I mean, you would ho- you would like to get to the point where you could play to 10,000. Even if you'd prefer to only play to 10. Yeah, but this is one thing that I'm interested in. Like, I think, so, you know, I want to talk about, like, why you hate the promotion. Like, what what is it about that? But then I also think, like, you know, I think some of us are kind of caught between, like, trying to satisfy some, like, art drive. Of course. Um, And then we also need to satisfy, like, the rent Mm. you know the, the world the health insurance and those kinds of things what's health insurance Sorry, uh, what you oh oh you know it's this thing uh but i think you know we try some of us try to do them at the same time some of us keep like clear boundaries between the two yeah and i'm really interested in like how each of us as professional artists makes kind of decisions about what goes where and like you know what our goals are kind of accordingly so tell me why you hate promotion. Mm. I think it comes from a standpoint of I am not good at it, A. And I think that comes from not liking it. And also the not liking it comes from not being good at it. It's just like a, you know, it's a cycle. Um, but. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean. What do you think, like, what are you not good at? The promotion standpoint? Yeah, like, what What about it? On, like, the artist side or the current side? Whatever. Whatever oh. you want. See, like, on the artist side, it's just, like, hard to be like, come to my show, come to my show, come to my show. Okay. And, you know what I mean? Like, if you get above, like, your small fan group of friends and family, you know what I mean? You can only ask your friends so many times to pay. 10 bucks to come see you play, sure. right? The same songs. Um, so if if you're able to cross that threshold of actually having just like fans that have no real connection to you, then I think that's a good sign and you can catapult from there. And I never really got out of that okay. of that spectrum, which is, you know what I mean? So you feel like, you feel awkward about like asking people for things? Yeah. So what about like... I don't know. Do you think about any aspects of like promotion as maybe being just kind of talking about what you're doing? Like, what if there's not a specific thing that you're like, come to this, buy this, but maybe you're more just like, check out what I'm doing. 
Yeah, that's fine. Does that that feels fine? Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, just be like, hey, check out this song I worked on. It's pretty cool, you know. But that doesn't get you very far. In yeah. my in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I've seen, I think I've seen people like get a lot of fans without like looking like they're trying. That's, like maybe they that's are. That's the thing. No, that's that's exactly the thing. It's like. The people that are good at it, it's just like, hey, I'm working on new tunes. They're awesome. And you're like, oh, cool. I want to check them out. As opposed to like like me, because I'm not good at it. You're like, this is my new song. Listen to my new song. It's okay. really good. Check it out. Buy it. I want money. So you actually, you really, you feel like you're bad at it. It's not just like a moral. It's not like a. Oh, it also feels gross to me. Absolutely. But that's what I mean. Okay. So yes, I, it, I'm curious it, what it you think about this. It absolutely feels gross to be like. Be like, guys, put your life on pause for the next five minutes. Because what you are about to hear mm-hmm. is going to blow <laughs> your mind. Do you think, so, okay, I'm actually, I'm so curious about this. So the people who are able to say that without it sounding like they're a douchebag. Uh, I mean, I think anyone that makes sounds, that says it like that is the worst. Okay, so someone, Even- that, someone that makes you have the feeling as a, as a clicker. As a scroller, clicker. Um, someone that makes you have this feeling that you're like, oh my gosh, thanks for telling me about this. I 100% want to click on that. I'm so glad you told me. So someone who's like having that effect on you, where it doesn't feel like they're asking you for something, it feels like they're just like giving you a thing. <laughs> do a you gift. think? Do you think those people feel a different way, just inherently, than how you feel, or do you think it's something different about? the product or do you think something, something else? Um, I think that even if I wrote or sang or produced a track that I firmly believed was a smash hit. Yeah. I think I would still be like, Hey guys, check out this song. It's cool. Cause just, it's not in my, it's Some weird your personality. Yeah, but it's weird. Like um, I'm, I don't typically lack in the confidence arena. Um, I've been told this by many people <laughs> <laughs> that that is not my issue. But when it comes to that, I would just, I don't ever want to. I would always rather undersell and over deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> these people are selling so hard. Like these people are overselling so hard. They're like this track would have to be a masterpiece. Yeah. To live to the hype of their own words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and like, whatever Kanye West has, I'm definitely the opposite. Kanye West is just like, new album drop, it's straight fire, go listen yeah. to it, and you'll never be the same. And I'm over yeah. here like, um, I don't know, maybe you I check work, out my I thing. worked on some new music. Um, I think it's great, you know, if you happen to have a few spare moments and you're bored, maybe you should try it out, but also like, don't. Don't judge too harshly. Like, you know, just keep in mind that it's just Jed over here just working on some songs, you know? Keep your bars sort of low, and if you like it, great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay, do you have any more thoughts about that? Like, do you ever, do you do you think about, like, what's going on with, like, you know, so-and-so, that promotion is easy for them? Do you feel at all like it's something that you would, would... L- like to feel dip- like do you what do you think like or are you just like listen listen it is what it is um 
I mean, I think that promotion is a huge part of any business and the music business, maybe more so because it's more about, it's a lot about image and like, there's no definitive, uh, it's not like a product that you're like, this product is five star reviewed. Right. It performs its function so well. Yeah. It's just kind of like, do you like it or do you not? Yeah. (laughs) Are you into this song or are you not? Like it sounds weirdly subjective. Um, so I, I do find it interesting because in my mind, the people that promote will get so much further, even if their music is so much less. Yeah. Which is both good to know and also sad. Yeah. Right. But you can't, I mean, that's always the way it is. So many people probably have masterpieces that are just sitting in their yeah. basement because there's no one promoting it or they don't have the confidence to do it or blah, 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 blah. a slew of reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's part of it. The other thing I think that it's happening in the world on like a big scale is when there's not like an artist at a certain time that's like number one doing great. Mm-hmm. We talked about this recently. Then I think the record labels are like, well, we don't have like a 10 right now to market, but we still have to make money and we still have $2 million set aside for the marketing budget. So what band do you want to bet on? Yeah. And they bet on some band that has a good image and their songs are okay. And that album now is on the top of the charts mm-hmm. because whether we like it or not, those marketing dollars really did their job. Yeah. And now we're listening to songs on the radio and we're like, oh, this song is so horrible. Is it kind of catchy? Sure, but it's so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, But everyone listens to it and everyone knows all the lyrics. Yeah. And that's why it's sad because... I feel like the best songs and the best artists are not typically on the very top of charts. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same on a local level. The most talented singers or people or bands, because um, they're not willing to push themselves or they're not very good at pushing themselves, don't actually rise to the top. Yeah. And do you feel like, do you feel hopeful about that? Do you feel like, you know, if, if you had like X power dollars, like, is there something you think that would fix it? You know, like, or are you just like, ah, it's a problem. I just and think, you don't it's, think about it anymore. It's part of the game. Yeah. And some people have a better, com- stronger combination than others. For me personally, I don't feel good at that game. And in an ideal world, I would have an agent. Yeah. Which only big time producers typically have, but yeah, in, in my in, it would be great to have an agent out there that's like, you know, you should work with this guy. He's great. Yeah. And then they meet me, and I'm just like, hey, I'm Jed. Not like I'm gonna make your tricks so dope you don't even know. Yeah, I know that's something that I struggle with too. Like, and I f- I feel like for me, a lot of it is like wrapped up in kind of just like my my like values as a person, like. You know, I think I was raised with this sense of like, your work will speak for itself. And it, that is not real in this business, No, which is, it, it never ceases to surprise me, which I think is maybe one reason that I'm not like cynical really about it because I just like, I still just like, don't believe it sometimes. (laughs) I really don't. And then like something will happen and I'm like, oh, oh, there's that thing where incompetence is rewarded 
so frequently. And that's, of course, not to say that it's always, you know, but like, I still, I still get surprised sometimes that I'm like, but how can you be so unprofessional and be rewarded this way? And then I'm like, oh yeah, you have cool hair. You know, (laughs) it's a thing that happens. It's so weird. Okay. So we go ahead. Along the same lines, I was just going to say, for whatever reason, I feel like once you buy into an artist or a look or a sound, you overlook all the other things. Yeah. And I see that all over the place, a venue decides they like this band for whatever particular reason. And that's the band that plays all the big shows. A label decides we like this singer. Suddenly his band is working with the big names. And then people around the world decide we like this artist. Yeah. For no particular reason. And then suddenly you have these artists on top of the world and you're like, very strange. Yeah, it is. It is. Is it? It's an interesting phenomenon. But then there's also always the thing that's like, as soon as something's mainstream, there are like all those people who like won't like it anymore. Yeah, of course. You know, there's also those people too. It's very strange. But I go ahead. Those people aren't, there's not that many of those people. I mean, whatever the percentage of people that like don't like mainstream, it's mainstream because 75% of the humans in the world, do like it. That's true. That's true. But there's a, like that 25% is lots of people. Yeah, it's true. So I don't know, man, this is actually, I mean, I'm part of, part of the reason that I want to do this podcast is because I know people have different opinions about this, you know, like it's totally not like cut and dry. Uh, I like it so much. And also it stresses me out so much. <laughs> um, it's both. Good. Okay. So, so you, you, you decided that you didn't like the promotion, that experience, you know, gave you enough that you're like, I love production. So let's just, is there anything you want to say about like your time in school getting a degree? No. Okay. That's fine. I I was going to skip it unless there's something you. No, I was just going to say, uh, getting a degree in music production, um, it's hard to say if it's like the best use of your time, but um, it helped me stay in music and interested and in learning. Yeah. Not to say that you need a degree to do that by any means, but um, I was already partially through my degree and I thought, what the heck, let's finish. Sure. So, yeah, I have a degree in music production. Um, no one has ever asked for that degree. No one's ever asked for my GPA and it has zero effect on my day to day life. Yeah. One, one thing that I always tell, you know, people when they ask me like, should I go to college for music or like, what's the thing I, I like to, I like to remind people that it's about like your skills. If like being in a school environment will, will likely, uh, force you or like encourage you to learn stuff that you are not going to learn on your own, do it, Right. you know? And then of course, like, you know, you get good connections, but, but yeah, like a degree in music, in no way means anything to pretty much anyone. No, definitely not. Yeah. And it can be slightly um, discouraging, like in a funny way, like I have a bachelor's degree and my most uh, marketive, marketive. (laughs) I don't know what you're about to say. So I, yes. Marketive skill, I suppose. Yeah. If I'm, I can't speak correctly right now. Sure. Is playing the piano. Yeah. Which 
I started at eight years old. Yeah. And has, you know, and I didn't learn much on the keys in college. So it's kind of funny that you're like, yeah, go get a degree so that you can have a job. And then you finish school and, you know, you're working at a studio for not too much money and you uh, gig as a piano player. And that's where, for a while, that's where yeah. most of my money came from. <laughs> so yeah. it's just kind of funny. Like, why did I go to college if my most marketable skill I already had? Yeah. I, you just don't know. I know. You don't it's know. Bonkers. I feel like I'm still discovering things like that about myself as well. That I'm like, this is just my personality. Yeah. I, yeah. It's so strange. Um, Sorry. Continue. No. We're just chatting, you oh, know. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a kind of a so we're skipping over school chat. That we're was skipping our, that over was our school. small sure conversation about school. So the things I want to talk about now are just like currently, what is the intersection of art and business? So, so maybe like now nowadays, um, what is like creativity? Like, how does creativity work in your profession and? Also, just in your not profession, you know, hmm. put it in music. In my profession, how does creativity work right now? Just like, what do you, I mean, where is creativity happening? Like, how are you doing it? What feels creative? Okay. Um, well, I work as a audio engineer and as a music producer. So for me, um, on the engineering side, um, there's some creativity that it definitely happens on the engineering side, but I'd say less for me personally um, than on the music production side, obviously. Uh, so for me on the music production side, creativity happens uh, either on, it just depends on each project. Sometimes the yeah. project I kind of have the genesis of the idea. Um, I work on a few um, kind of more electronic pop projects with some friends where uh, I have a song that I've mostly written or I have a track already going. And then we meet up and I'm saying, here's my track. What do you think? And then we start from there, uh, which is very, it's fun. I like, you know, having that amount of control sometimes. It's really fun. And then yeah. other projects like yours where the songs already come and the songs are done. And uh, so the genesis of the creativity has already happened or it's already like, it's like a train that's already moving down the sure. line. And I just help like direct it and speed it up and beef it up. I definitely feel like you have been like, I have watched you be very creative with my songs. It feels to me like, like I don't, I mean, yeah, the songs are maybe written enough that like there are some directions they're definitely not going, but I don't, I don't see it at all. Like it's like on a straight line, you know, I feel like it's, I feel like it's been very collaborative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But lyrics and chords and sure. melody is such a large component of a song. I mean, so the songs, I had zero creativity in the songs. On the yeah. production and the tracks, of course. Yeah. But in the songs and, and the lyrics, I'm written and solid and going. So, like, what do you what do you like about it? What's not not my songs? I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you must, yes, no, uh, you can talk about them. Uh, but I mean, what do you what do you like? How does that kind of artistic endeavor like feel? Um, I mean, it feels good. <laughs> no, such I, a way with words. Yes, you have. thank you. I mean, you know. <laughs> 
no, for me, I mean, when you push play on a track that you worked on and it feels good and sounds great and the mix is cool and, you know, ideally you kind of just innately feel yourself kind of swaying or moving to the music, you're just like, that's awesome. Because I remember what the song started as. Yeah. It started as Emily Merrill singing and playing a piano part that was very jazzy. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> what have I done? Right? And then you listen to the track in the end and you're like, that is so far from that original script. Or, and not far like in a bad way, just so far down the line. Yeah. You know? And yeah. sometimes things change a lot and you're like, this went in a very for like far different direction but usually it's just like we could you know you can see what this was once like yeah and now it's so much bigger and better and yeah and cooler anyways do you feel creative about your business no i mean i think about it a lot yeah um and I need to be more creative about my business and um, how to how to grow it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I should. But no, not really. It feels kind of like, I mean, this is such a leading question. I'm doing it anyway. Do it. Um, it. Does it feel like kind of just like a necessary evil? Like you have to do that in order to like get to the thing you like? Yeah. I mean, I again, ideally, I would, I hate talking about money with people. Yeah. I don't really like discussing budgets. Um, those types of things I really don't enjoy. And it makes, it just kind of, it just colors things differently sometimes. Sure. You know, like it would just be nice if it really felt like, and I mean, it often does feel like, hey, we're friends and we're working on music together. And at the end, we're going to have a really awesome product. Yeah. But unfortunately, to make that happen, you got to pay studio time. We all got to pay our rent. Yeah. Musicians that are, you know, much better than, than I am need to play this part and that part. We need a drummer. I don't play drums. We need a drummer on this, you know? So like yeah. the mixing, you know, like there's so many aspects that just require money, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that can put a strain on that relationship sometimes. Sure. And, you know, if you're really tight on the budget or close to the budget, then it's just kind of like, well, we're going to cut this corner. We're going to cut that corner. Or ideally, we'd ha you know we'd go back in the studio and redo vocals on this song because it didn't mm -hmm. turn out quite as we liked them. But we don't really have the money, so we're just gonna put it out as is. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that like money's not really an issue in terms of like making the thing. Like maybe we care about whether the thing makes money later. Okay. Um, do you feel like this kind of idea about whether something's gonna be marketable? Do Do you feel like that ever? threatens to compromise like w the artistic choices that you would just make does that question make sense like yeah okay um i'm sure that it does but it's in that's an interesting question <laughs> because if i say no then it makes it sound like everything i think is no no it totally doesn't <laughs> i know but but um for me personally i I'm more of a pop kid. So if anything, with m most people I work with, I just naturally would prefer more of a pop style. 
even if certain people are going outside of that world. Sure. So I think that's why some people have worked with me, right? Yeah. But also like naturally I'm at least within like a like a certain vein. It's not like yeah. I produce like I'm really into indie. Sure. Uh stra- you know what I mean? Well, it, like my my bread and butter at least in my brain like what I let's do what I prefer what I would like to do is not something that's really out there. Yeah. It's just like high quality of down the line. Now, I've heard it said and I tend to agree that pop is not a genre. Okay, sure. That's right. So, do you so you feel like maybe you just you have a tendency to like be listening to whatever is kind of popular and kind of just naturally follow trends accordingly or like you know, I'm just I'm not totally convinced that you're just like you know, stylistically rooted in this one thing. I, I mean, I'm not. Because we know pop changes all the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, go ahead. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I agree. I like I pop, jazz pop is just whatever is popular. Right. But that being said, pop is like typically. Danceable. Yeah. Upbeat, danceable, not a lot of chords, simple melodies. Okay. Lyrics aren't like so out there. It's very hook based. You know what I mean? So, sure, there's tons of trends that come and go within that spectrum. But overall, it's like, that's a pop song. Okay. And you can produce whatever you want, but that's a pop song. Okay. And maybe that's more what I mean. Like, So your kind of music, your personal like aesthetic is always going to sort of trend toward like simple concepts yeah. in, the, in the composition. Yeah. And then maybe more of the kind of unique components are in the production. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I'm so interested in it. Like I could talk about it all the time. Yeah. And also again, let me just say that like what you think that you think and what you are, are not the same. So I'm just like, at least in my brain, that's kind of where I would put myself like, yeah, I'm a pop person and this and that and this and that. I don't really know. Was it was I telling you that thing of of there's stuff you know about yourself that everyone else knows? Mm. Did I tell you this already? No. Okay, check this idea out. I'm <laughs> obsessed with it recently. <laughs> so there are, there are things that you know about yourself that everyone knows. Okay. Like I produce music. Sure. I live in Utah. Um there are things that you know about yourself that other people don't know. Okay. Like I hate promotion. Maybe right. that's now now everyone Okay. Everyone. A few people will know. <laughs> um, everyone who wants to know can okay, know. Okay. Uh, and then there are things that other people know about you that you don't know. Yeah, that's true. And, and you hope that those things are few and insignificant. Or good. Nice things. Yeah, sure. Or that. Yeah. I don't know. You'd want to know those things, though, wouldn't you? But maybe they're just like, you know what I know about this guy? And they say something nice about you. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know that about myself. But then you want to know, though. Yeah, true. You want true. it to be something you know. I agree, though, 100%. Because, I mean, I try and be approachable and nice and uh, easy to con- have a conversation with. I, th- I was raised in Texas, and I think it's like part of... Oh, it's a real thing It's there, part of sure. the thing, right? So yeah. you're just like, you're like, it's, you know what I mean? I try, anyways, I try and be like that. So I feel like there are people that feel like they know me really well. And I'm over here like, uh, we've talked like twice. What are you talking about, right? So in my brain, at least, 
everyone has access to like 25% hmm. of you as a human. Yeah. Right. Just because that's the way that you same with you though. You're very upbeat, easy to talk to approachable. So I bet people could come have a few voice lessons from you, uh, have a class from you and be like, I know Emily so well. And then you're over here like, you know, 25% of me quite oh, well, but I'm such a weird open book though. Yeah, sure. But like, you don't know everything about me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's just an interesting thought in my mind that like, the general public knows yeah. a percentage of every human. And then really, I think a few people actually yeah. know, know, know the other well. stuff. So this is, this is actually a question that I, that I plan to ask like everyone who comes here. Okay. Um, no, uh, oh. <laughs> Just kidding. but it's funny that we're talking about this. Cause it, I mean, it's typed here. It is. Um, the question is, is there anything that you wish that your peers knew about you that they don't know? Like, is there, is, do you wish you had some kind of like a, a disclaimer or some kind of thing or just a cool thing? Uh, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, there's definitely things I wish my peers, you're talking about my peers and I'm like, who are my peers? Like there's, you know what I mean? Oh man, what a wormhole. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Like people that do what I do, but it doesn't mean really, I know them. So are they really my peers? Anyways, um, I would hope that people that don't know me, um, I would like them to know. Hey, I do music, and um, I'd love to work on a project with you. You seem cool, and even if I look tired or mad or something, <laughs> come talk to me and say I don't hi. Know if I've like ever seen you look tired sure, or mad? I, I'm just saying. But like I, I'm not great at networking all that sort of thing um but i do like just like talking to people so come say hi and then it'll be like hey you are cool man nice yeah good talking with you wow the thing you want people to know is that they should that you want to work with them maybe no that i mean sure but like more just like like if i don't approach you it's probably because i feel dumb not like i'm better mm. than you it's just like me in the corner like well, should I go say something? Like, should, <laughs> is he going to talk to me or should I go talk to her? Like, it's weird. you know. Oh my gosh. Why is this a thing? Like <laughs> we, cause I, you're right. You're, you're totally confident. Why this, what we do is so bizarre. It's so weird. <laughs> like there are such strange, like boundaries on like which things you're confident about. Yeah, totally. Oh man. It's so weird. Well, I, I love it though. You and I were discussing recently. We sing a lot, we perform a lot, but still, when you perform at church... Oh man, it's the absolute it's worst. It's like the weirdest thing where you're like, I play for people all the time, and I don't really think about it that much, but then like suddenly you're at church and you're playing, and you're like, oh my god! It's the morning, the lights are all on. <laughs> Fluorescent lights shining. Fluorescent lights. With the crappy microphone. And like some random person playing piano. of and Like a, 20 feet away from you. A lame version of, of a song you don't really even like. Oh no, it's the worst. <laughs> I hate it. But for me, the worst thing, this is so Mormon specific, but at Mormon church, there's a podium. There's not normally music. And there's just this podium where mostly people are speaking from. And so if you're singing at the podium, where do you put your damn hands. Whoa. You know, where do they go? I never know. Do I put them like, eh, do I just hang them down to my sides? 
Do mm. I perch them on the podium? It's so uncomfortable. And there's no clapping at the end, so there's no sense of good job. Oh, no, there is, though, because then when you, as soon as you sit down, the people in the pew behind you will whisper their morning breath in your ear and be like, that was just lovely. <laughs> I, uh, sorry, going down this train of thought just real quick. I saw an interview a year or two ago with the comedian Bill Burr. Yeah, Bill I Burr know Bill Burr. A wild comedian, like, I mean, uh, watch him or listen to him at your own risk. But uh, he had this funny bit where he was saying, like, I was in a movie. You know, you know, this last year. And he's like, it was so weird because you would do a scene and even if you did it amazing, the director would be like, great job, man. Very nice. And he'd be like, sorry, I- I'm used to like stand up comedy clubs. Can you guys just like clap really loud clap? at the end of my dick? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just like, he's like, I didn't feel like I ever did a good job because it was always just like, hey, nice job, man. Oh man. And I think that's so great. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's I, relatable. Yeah. It's kind of relatable. Like, nice job. That's great. Well, I think it's something in general that people don't understand about. I mean, I, this must apply to other kinds of art besides music, but I mean, comedy for sure. But like stage performing and like, you know, film recording. Oh man, it could not be. They're so different. Very different. Two completely different skill sets. And I feel like no one talks about that. You know, actually, it's something that I think about, like, you know, you probably maybe get some of this, but people project extroversion onto musicians. Sure, of course. And I just think, like, when you are a child and you're practicing your piano or your guitar or your trumpet or whatever, it's such an introverted activity. You're like alone in a room, like in your mind. Uh, and then you, you fall in love with this thing. And then suddenly you realize in order to keep doing it, you have to put it in front of a lot of people. Mm. It's so bizarre. That is very true and very interesting. By the time you've sing a song on stage, you've sung it hundreds of times in your room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like it though. I, I, I like it that we, you know, I say we, but that people get to this point where they realize like, oh no, I have to do this, like totally this thing that's really not in my personality, but I think it, it it gives us like a real nice mix of stuff. I think the musicians are very pleasant people to be around because of this weird combination where you got to be social enough but also you're kind of an introvert you know i mean you work on something really hard but then you got to show it to people i don't know i just think i think it makes you usually a pretty chill hang i think that's true i think or I think we, or you don't go very far or you are high all the time yeah that's true too those or, are those or you are, self-medicate quite that's a bit. what i mean it's one of those <laughs> things okay i just have two more questions for you okay um uh are there any projects you're excited about right now that you want to just tell of the listeners about? Uh, sure. Um, well, I have a few projects going right now. Um, one is, well, one's like slightly top secret. I can't really discuss. Not just kidding. Um, no, I have some songs coming out with my friend on an electronic project called air glow air glow. And, um, air glow is a, it's a project where I feel like I can really let my hair hang down. That's great. So it's just kind of like, you know, on this track, 
why not? Let's do this. Um, and my friend, who is anonymous, um, he does all the promotion. Sweet. So it's really kind of cool because I work on the tunes with him. Um, I let's see. All, I mean, we've co-written all the songs, and I we've uh, co-produced them. I I take um, more of the product. I mean, I handle more of the production, but he definitely adds ideas and things. And then um, I engineer it, I mix it, I master it, track it, all that. So it's kind of fun to see a project through all the way. Yeah. And um, without having ever played a show or really mentioned it anywhere, I mean, we got like, I don't know, 60,000 listens or something in the last few months. That's great. I mean, it's nothing crazy, but for me, I'm like, this is something I get behind. Yeah. Great. You know what I mean? Just making the music. Someone's listening. Awesome. Sign, yeah. sign me up. That's what you need. That's what I need. Yeah. We need to find more of that for you. Yeah. So that's cool. The other projects I have coming up uh, real quick are uh, I'm working on an album with a friend um, named uh, Kendrick Zane. He's cool. a really talented keys player and a great singer. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun coming up this next year. And then I am working on um, some new singles with um, Lillian Hepler who is um, a girl I've worked with in the past. Really, really great vocalist. She is uh, only 17 and from Payson. Awesome. But just a great, great voice and a really great sensibility for writing tunes. Cool. So she usually starts starts the songs, and then uh, we finish them together. So uh, we're tracking a new song on Saturday that I'm very excited about. Awesome. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last question. What's your dream collaboration? My dream collaboration. You can be like, it can be, make it whatever you want it to be. You know, it can be like multimedia, bears barking upstairs. That's fine. Someone's probably rang the doorbell. Um, I really couldn't tell you what my dream collaboration would be. Um, I mean, there are definitely singers that it would just be fantastic to have sing on one of your tracks you know who i mean yeah tell me some of these people doesn't have to, you don't have to pick one so i'm saying like take take this question wherever you will i i really couldn't even tell i don't even know i have no idea i mean i think it would be really really a cool experience to land a song or a production with like a top tier pop artist cool even if it's like you know, the 10th track on the album that barely made the cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think it would be kind of a wild thing to be like, I wrote this song here on my piano in my room, and now it's on a Taylor Swift album. Yeah. You know, I have a, a good friend of mine who works for a producer who's based out of Denmark who got a song on um, the last Justin Bieber album. Sweet. And... You say what song, and he says it, and you go, "I don't know that song, right?" Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, "But it's on there still." Yeah, yeah you're, like, yeah. you're like, "Huh, weird. I don't even know that song, but it's still on Justin Bieber's album." Yeah. Right? So you're like, "That is wild." Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I think it'd be really cool to just have a song, uh, with one of the major big artists. Just, I don't know. That just sounds. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. And I would love to hear one of my songs on the radio at some point. That's more of my, not a dream collaboration, just like a... It's just a dream. Just a dream to be yeah. like, oh, what's this? Oh, oh hey, that's mine. Yeah. Uh, one time 
I went to the dentist and there was a song playing that I was like, what is this? And it, it was from my first album. Oh, sweet. But I mean, the dentist knew that I was there, you know, uh, he, that's it, a little much. It was the worst actually, but it was, it was very bizarre. So like I had never gone to this dentist before I had just moved to Utah and Andrew had been there like the week before and That's he it. gave them an album. No, it wasn't like he wasn't, you know, he, was, he was just, he was just like, here, my wife just put this album out. And, uh, and then the dentist all sneaky, like, I didn't even know that he knew that we were married, but he's like Andrew's like childhood dentist. Uh, okay. You know, and then I'm like getting my teeth cleaned and I'm like, what is, why do I know this? It took me so long to place it because like, I wasn't expecting, it was so strange. That is very strange. And then he came in and was like, did you hear what was on the, and I was like, uh, oh, it was so weird. Anyway, all I'm saying is I've kind of had that experience. It's uh, not at all the same, but I've, it was weird and bad. I've had a slight experience. Similarly, I produced a song that a local um, Utah based company uh, used for a commercial. Oh, cool. So I was watching uh, TV one time and it was, I think it was ESPN was on and this commercial came out and I was like, man, this song sounds familiar. And I was like, <laughs> I produced that song. That's awesome. <laughs> this is a random side note. And I know we're trying to wrap it up, but um, I interned at Electric Lady Studios in New York for one summer and uh, they had the funniest rule. And the rule was you music always had to be playing in the lobby. A person just walked by. Is this the front or the back? Front. Okay. I was going to say that's good. Um, uh, music always had to be playing in the lobby. That was one of the rules. Just so you know, you walk into a recording studio, it's not silent. So <laughs> that'd be weird. So they always had a record playing in the lobby. But the rule was you can never have a record on of an artist that might come that week. Yeah. Because one time John Mayer came in and they were listening to John Mayer. But he didn't like how that recording um, ended up. Oh. So it pissed him off and he was angry, blah, 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 blah. So. Computer sound. Um, anyway, so I just always find that funny. That yeah. Like our goal in life is to hear one of our songs somewhere. Yeah. And at that studio, that's Not a rule. Allowed. You can't do that. You oh can gosh. never have their music playing while they come. Oh. This profession, it's so bizarre. So strange. I like it and hate it. Same. Yeah. yeah. Same. Same. I thought you were going to say a lot of things. I just needed to take a breath. It, Sorry. It, well, sometimes we do that. <sighs> Same. Great. Okay. Well, Jed, I know you hate the social media, but where can we find you? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I... I'm somewhat active on Instagram. Great. Yeah. I started a music Instagram thing that I have not done very well at, and I can't even remember my handle. Give me one second. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. JedJones.88. JedJones.88, because you were born in the year 1988. That's exactly the lamest reason, but I know that, that is right. also, same. Same. So JedJones.88, and uh, yeah, that's where I will slowly put up music news, but also I, um, locally I am on staff as an engineer at June audio. And uh, if you ever want to record something, come on down, come on down. June audio is great. It's a great spot. Scott it's, Wiley's the man. Yeah. And Ryan King, pff, the greatest. Yeah. And Jed Jones. Oh, wow. Wow. 
All right, dude. Well, that's it. We did it. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being here. Signing off. Signing off. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.